Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to the Everything Is Black and White podcast. This is the transfer window verdict. Mark Douglas joins me to discuss how Newcastle's summer business went and there's also a little bit of a discussion about the proposed Newcastle United takeover. All that to come on Everything Is Black and White podcast. Hello, welcome to Chronicle Live over on Facebook, joined by our football editor, Mark Douglas, and it is transfer deadline day. We're not expecting too much, Mark. If something does happen, it'll come out of the blue. Um, one deal that is going to happen today is for the under-23s. Mm. Uh, Rodrigo Vilca is over in Newcastle. He's uh, posted pictures of the time bridge over what his agent has. Um, he's going to sign, we think, uh, by the end of the day, and he looks a good, solid addition for the under-23s, but the only bit of business we're expecting to happen today. Yes, I, I don't think there's any chance of anything else happening. I know there's there's been sort of a lot of fans looking at the, the Christian Eriksen uh, situation at Inter Milan or the um, Samari uh, situation as well. Obviously, he's. Uh, I think I think it, it looks to me like uh, Lille are desperate now to, um, to to get him out the door and, and try and make some money out of him. But I think Newcastle. Had kind of written that one off um, a few uh, a few months ago. I, I think they'd looked they'd looked elsewhere. Um, obviously, he was playing. They were absolutely desperate to sign last January, but I'm not sure. Um, you know, given that he, he turned them down twice, that they were ever really going to go back in for that one either. Um, so it leaves us where the squad is. You know, they've done some good business, but again, you know, I think I think as much as I would I would sort of give it a seven or eight transfer window. The problem is that they are short up front. I think that's where I'm. That's where I'm most uh, most concerned. You know, why Gale's not back until January? Andy Carroll, obviously, there's question marks over his fitness. So if Callum Wilson does get injured, or um, you know, potentially he, he he falls out of form, which which we're hoping isn't the case. You've only really got Delinton, who's obviously done done. I think done really well actually in the last few weeks in a totally different role from the number nine role. He can play in the, uh, as number nine. But we know he only scored two Premier League goals last year. So. That's where my slight concern is. You've seen a lot of teams in the Premier League this weekend scoring goals by just going for it uh, and attacking other teams because it's that kind of Premier League season so far. Uh, but Newcastle are necessarily going to have players to, to, to do that if Alan Wilson gets, in, it gets injured. Um, but Newcastle have obviously, um, I think they used their transfer budget at the top and bottom of it. I don't think they had a lot of money left to go in for players today, to be perfectly honest. I mean, they were looking at loans, um, but you know, I, I don't think Steve Bruce is... He's expecting anything. I think he's being kept informed by the by, on the phone. But I, I think the, the way that he talked on Monday made it very clear that things weren't going to be uh, things weren't going to be particularly busy today. We might see players going though, um, and I think they need to. To be honest with you, when you look at some of the fringe men that are there, you know, it, there's a lot of players there who aren't going to play a part this season, and they've you know potentially hundreds of thousands of pounds a week in wages that they're, they're going to be costing Newcastle. You mentioned their loans. I think a few people were hoping today that loans might come in. They thought they had Rob Holden in a few weeks ago, hence Florian Lejeune's exit. And that they are a bit short at the back. And in that press conference after the Burnley game where Steve Bruce said, you know, I don't expect to do anything unless it's mouthwater. And he did also, though, admit that they are short at the back, which seems, 
bit of a strange admission. And then at the same time, you're saying we're not going to really do anything. You know, he's relying on Kieran Clark to come back fit, but he's had a few injuries of late. Fabian Cher, we're waiting to see what the, the injury is there. And then we expect Jamal Lascelles to come back. He's, you know, you know, he's got a decent injury record, um, fitness record. But it's a bit of a risk, isn't it? Because you're putting your eggs in one basket. And if, if they have delays coming back from the treatment room, then Newcastle are going to have to look at Emil Kraft playing centre-back, perhaps. Isaac Hayden. It's it's not ideal. No, it's not. It's not. I mean, the problem is that, again, you're looking at a Newcastle United squad there that has got the players in it, has got the the potential centre-backs there to cover them for the, until January, at least. Because you remember when you've got the summer window and then you move into January, you're potentially looking at um, start of September um, through to through to the 1st of January. Well, we're obviously a, le- a month less now. So you are looking at potentially kind of two months, to, you know, two, four months. You've got to be, um, you've got to be able to, to, to get through. They've got the players there. The problem is, I, I think for a club that probably doesn't have an awful lot of money, doesn't have a massive budget, you're potentially looking at them. Do you go and sign another player and have them on the wage bill? And then, you know, then you haven't got that slot in January or do you sort of take the risk maybe and say you might not have players back straight away at the start of when they come back after the international break, but probably by November, you're going to say there's going to be two or three centre-backs back. And the one thing that obviously is, you know, a lot of fans will look at and say is strange is that Florian Lejeune's played um, games in, um, in, La, in La Liga, you know, and they did obviously decide to loan him out. Um, I think they loaned him out solely to develop to, for him for his career rather than necessarily to um, you know to, to sell him because I don't think necessarily he'll, he'll end up going um, leaving at the end of the season um, potentially I think they need I think they knew he needed games they knew he needed to get matches into it uh, under his belt um, and and so that that was the reason he was sold but you know you, you can potentially say that there's a bit of a cut you know that that might end up coming back to bite that by them defensively I think it's you know, I can understand why they did that. I think the striker situation worries me a little bit more because, you know, they've got rid of Mutu. I understand why they got rid of Mutu. He wasn't going to play games, but he was an option. They haven't got anyone in the in the under-23s that can come in and, and plug that gap um, striker-wise. They've got Andy Carroll, but, you know, he didn't look great against Newport. I think he's, to me, more like a cameo uh, cameo roles that he can potentially do. So yeah, I am I am worried about strikes. I'm not so worried about defensively. Obviously, if they if players break down, then um, then they are in trouble. But you think about it, if they get the players back fit, and obviously I think they were saying Kieran Clark's maybe a couple of weeks. Jamal Sells, it was just a, it was a small injury. Um, then you've got Freddie Fernandez. You've got Paul Dummett, who you know is a few weeks away, but potentially he'll be back. By January, he can play centre back as well. Emil Kraft did okay, didn't he? When he, he played in that role as well. So, and as a Caden can play there as well. So, you wouldn't want those players to be playing centre back. But do you go and sign a player just on the off chance that those players might come back? Well, I suppose that's the gamble that they've taken. Striker, I think, is more of a gamble. But again, you know, I think we could have been saying things very differently if they'd have been taken over. And I think they would have gone and done those deals. But um, Newcastle are paying the price for having so many players um, who, who they've got on the squad who aren't potentially going um, to be involved. I mean, you've got Henri Save potentially could be, you know, I mean, is that the worst transfer in Newcastle's history? You could make, you could make a case, couldn't you? It's as bad as any that think that they've done in terms of the cost that it's, um, the cost that it's had for the club. Most certainly. We'll talk a bit about potential outgoings in just a second. I just want to get your view 
on whether Newcastle are potentially risking when they for the rest of the season because we're relying on Cal Wilson to get the goals. We're relying on Alan St. Maximum to be that creative spark. We see how bad Newcastle are, how, how shall we say, not as effective uh, Newcastle are on the front foot when St. Maximum's not there. So you're relying on them to to be fit and on form. And without them, I mean, who are the match winners in that side? Well, there aren't any really, are there? Miguel Almiron, I would say, potentially is 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 one. He's not... He's not. He wasn't involved on Saturday, and I think that was there was a lot of disquiet about that before the game. Um, he's had a difficult start to the season in terms of being in and out of the team. Obviously, I think he's played quite well when he's when he's been involved, and I like him. I like Almiron a lot, but um, there's obviously there'd be a bit of pressure on him. Who else is going to score the goals? I mean, that's the question, isn't it? Jolinton, as I said, is I think he's doing a lot better, but I think he's still a little bit away from being a guy that you'd say he's going to go and win games. Um, they are massively reliant on Alan Maximum. Um, I'm surprised that nobody has come in and tested the water for, for St. Maximum, actually. You know, we, we talk about, um, you know, why Newcastle got him because there was a feeling, I think, at the time that, you know, is, is he has he got the, the, the end product? Is he, you know, is he consistent enough? Well, I think Newcastle fans will tell you that he's been very consistent at Newcastle. Um, so I think they, you know, maybe would have expected to see some interest in him. But what was what was nice was the fact that probably the reason there isn't interest in him because he's not looked... To, to generate any interest in himself. I mean, we had, I think, when um, uh, when Musa Sissoko was here, I mean, he had one good half season and he started talking about wanting to leave to go to a Champions League club. We well, haven't seen that from Alan Maximus. That's really nice. Um, I think I think the problem there is that you're talking about is not necessarily a problem of the transfer window. It's just a problem with Newcastle at the moment. You know, they are so reliant on, on, um, on one player. But then, but, you know, we're starting to see from Jamal Lewis a little bit of, yeah, that's a little bit of threat from from the left wing back position. Um, so they are developing a little bit, you know. But I think the big the big question that we have is, you know, obviously Saturday was a great and a timely win for Steve Bruce. But you know, they have been up and down so far this season. So um, the next three, I think, when you look at them, um, they're, they're, they're tough games, the three of them. But Manchester United, you'd say, winnable given what we've seen from them last you know, the, the other day. Wolves. Newcastle have a decent record against Wolves. Everton, well, you know, are they going to keep motoring as they have done um, at the start of the season? But but those three games, I think, will tell us a lot more. What's the points total going to be at the end of those three? That might tell us a little bit about where Newcastle are at the moment. But it's been, points-wise, it's been a pretty good start to the season. But, you know, like you said, the concern is that are they so reliant on Wilson and some Maximum? And uh, I think some Maximum in particular does, you know, he, he does have his, the way he plays, I think he, he gets injuries, doesn't he? And he's, he's going to be kicked on pillar to post, I think he. I think he's one of the most fouled players in the Premier League. So, um, you know, I don't think it's his fault that this fitness worries. I mean, on Saturday he just got he, Phil Barsley just resorted to kicking him, didn't he? And that was that was why he ended up going off. I suppose you know if Newcastle do pick up injuries during the international break, they still have till the 16th of October to potentially bring somebody in from the Championship, and there are still some good players knocking around. Um, I mean, no one's been linked, but they have that kind of security blanket. It would be unexpected, but, you know, Troy Dean is still at Watford. Todd Cantwell doesn't look like he's leaving Norwich today. Um, so there's still a bit of time to manoeuvre should Newcastle suddenly feel the urge to. Yeah, I mean, I think it would take... You've got to remember that, that I think the problem that, that we're dealing with now is this this deadwood, you know, with the greatest respect to those players, it's the deadwood that has been left behind that is filling up squad places costing them money in terms of their wages um, and that's probably what's stopping them from doing anything in the championship there is there are players there I mean and Ben Rama at, at Brentford probably the outstanding 
player in the championship, isn't he? And, and would walk into a Premier League team. I mean, we saw Ollie Watkins playing really well for Villa yesterday. You know, this Jamal Lewis obviously um, was a championship player. We haven't played any games in the championship for, for Norwich, but there are players you can you can bring from the championship. I think would do really well for Newcastle. I think the problem is that when we look at the next the domestic deadline, um, actually the reason I wouldn't I'm not thinking Newcastle will do much there, if anything, is because you, you, you're really saying that how much a player is costing in the championship, that there is that championship premium attached to um, attached to players in, in that division. They want good money for them. Um, you know, ben, Grod- ben Godfrey's just gone to Everton for 25 million. You know, there, there aren't a lot of bargains in the championship. But like you said, they could potentially bring somebody in um, well, I, I'd be surprised if they did anything like that but it is there for them so if there was an absolute um, disaster then, then they could do that what would be more likely is there might be some loan outgoings then I mean Matty Longstaff's probably one to watch for that um, he needs games doesn't he desperately desperately needs games he's got a long term contract well he's got not a long term contract but he's got a contract um, with Newcastle he's not been fit yet um, but I could see him potentially going on loan for six months until, until January or not six months, sorry, three months until January um, and, then, and then they go from there. But Newcastle's problem, I think, for this window, I think they've done good business, but the problem in terms of bringing other players in has been, A, they've they've got a lot of players who they couldn't sell, the, the Deadwood, and then they've also got another sort of tier of players who, who are first-team players. Maybe they would have looked to move on um, if they could get the replacements in City. Likes of, because they're, on the, they're running into the final years of their contracts, so you've got the likes of um, uh, Dwight Gale, uh, who you know? Who's probably now? He, he last summer, um, the summer before, was the top when you could get top back for him, and they did try and sell him to West Brom, but he didn't want to go. They potentially could have sold him in January, but they needed they needed a striker. This summer, he's obviously got injured really early in the uh, the close season. So, you know, he was one I think they could have potentially sold and traded traded on. I mean, Bruce likes him, and he did score some goals at the end of last season. But he, he was one. Matt Ritchie was another, but again, he was on very very big wages. He just signed his extension as well but I think Bournemouth were really keen on him and his kids are all in, in the south as well so he, he could have gone as well but there's you know that that's the problem for Newcastle at the moment and maybe that that market has evaporated where they could potentially sold players who had a year or 18 months left on their contract you know that market's not really there anymore there's not a lot of money floating around in the championship for players for teams to want to come and buy the likes of Dwight Gale who they maybe would have previously and other teams in the Premier League might look at Newcastle's guys with one year left and say, well, we can't afford them. We can't afford the wages they're on either. So, you know, it's been a difficult, difficult window. I mean, it's been a strange window really because we've seen some massive deals happen, um, which kind of flies in the face of the reality of football's finances, which is that, that, you know, there are hanging, they are a little bit precarious below the Premier League. You mentioned Deadwood prior to, to that point there. We've got Rolando Ahrens, Henri Savier, uh, Ashraf Lazar is another one and they just can't get rid of them I mean Lazar and Savvy into the last years of their contract but I mean you would you, you'd you say for Aaron's potentially he could go out on loan in the next two weeks given the, the domestic deadline but for Savvy and Lazar you'd be looking at Turkey you'd be looking at France and obviously what they've got what four hours to go now to, to get a deal sorted it doesn't look likely does it? No, there's not been any interest in them. I mean, I think the problem was um, in for, in Lazar's case was that he, he did have a move lined up to a, a club in Serie B, but uh, there's wage there's wage restrictions there now as well. They're on big contracts. They were signed, both of them signed 
Um, Save was signed as a first-team player um, in January 2014 now. And we're getting into 2020. He was signed on a big contract, a really big contract, a long-term contract, because they thought he could potentially be the next sort of Suzoko, the next Kabai. Um, it just hasn't worked out that way. Successive managers haven't rated him. Um, Lazar, I think Rafa Benitez knew that was a mistake pretty early on. Um, just didn't, you know, did, wasn't fit. Then I think his attitude wasn't quite right, was he? I think he thought he was better than he was, let's be perfectly honest. Um, both big deals, both um, massive contracts, really, when you look at when you look at you know, what, they, what they've actually achieved. And both big blunders, really, for Newcastle, you have to say, they didn't, it just hasn't worked out for either of them. Um, and, you know, the problem is, would you expect them to take wage decreases to, to move on? Well, no, you know, why should they? they, they you know, they, they're being paid, you know, that they are being paid. Well, I think for somebody like Savé, I mean, what a waste of a career. He's been spent six years at Newcastle. He's done nothing. Scored one goal, I think, was it in, um, in that game at West Ham, bizarrely. Did, did really well in that game, actually, and then never played again. Um, but what a waste of a career. He's played. He's had a couple of spells, hasn't he? He's, he's been to Turkey. And, but last year, he didn't, didn't play at all. Um, you know, not even playing in the 23s, not even involved in the AFL Trophy. Not played this season. He's, he trains every day, goes in, you know. Fair play to him, I suppose. He does that part of his job. But it's it's a really, I mean, it's, it's just an edifying. But there's a lot of players like that across the across the you know across the leagues. But um, yeah, I mean, Lazar obviously had his chance, didn't he, at Sheffield Wednesday when when Steve Bruce was manager there. Um, but you can tell how well he did there that um, Bruce didn't then even name him in his squad, you know, which is really poor. Aaron's is slightly different. I think you know injuries really have cost Rolando Aaron's. I think he would have been an outstanding talent. Um, if he if he hadn't have got those injuries, you know, maybe there were one or two one or two problems just at, at, at key parts in his uh, in his Newcastle career. But um, you know, I, I don't see why he shouldn't go to a, a club in League One or the Championship and and go and be a really really good player. But again, he's on such big wages that a lot of those clubs can't afford him. So you know, I think all three of them will leave at the end of the season um, and potentially, hopefully, for them, they'll go and actually play some football games if they need to. Um, it's hampering Newcastle. It's, it's it's dead weight for them really at the moment, and um, it's just not a great situation for, for anybody. And um, I think probably you would have seen if there had been a takeover, those players would have been paid off. But Newcastle, obviously, um, in their current guys, don't have the money to um, to do that. I guess the other one to watch out for with this domestic deadline is Jacob Murphy as well. Now, Steve Bruce said he wasn't going to go out alone, but I guess if you get to the thirteenth, fourteenth of October, now there's deadlines on the sixteenth. Um, of October, the domestic one, and you're not in the team. You've got Ryan Fraser ahead of you, obviously Alan St. Max from Almiron, Joe Linton out on the wide as well. You could be potentially fifth choice of your Jacob Murphy and you'll probably be knocking on the door saying, well, look, you're not giving me my first team opportunity other than in the Cups where he's performed very well, but you could potentially see him head out on loan within the next two weeks as well if he wants to, you know, first team football, say back at Sheffield Wednesday or a team like that. Yeah, I mean, that's one to watch, really. Um, I think that is... He, there are probably one or two players in Newcastle's squad that, that there are a lot of takers for. Um, Murphy's one. Rangers really, really keen on him. Um, and I think he would, you know, he would look at that as an option if Newcastle were willing to get rid of him. I think his his top priority was to play for Newcastle United. He, he has played. You know, obviously, he's played in the League Cup games. He's done well enough in those League Cup games, I think, to be part of the conversation about playing in the Premier League. Um, so I don't think he'll go... 
this window. But I think if he doesn't play and Newcastle potentially have three or four in front of him, then it might be revisited in January. It might be the case that, look, he needs to go and play. He's still not that old. You know, he's still, he still needs games, basically. He's not had, you know, he's not had a lot, a lot of games um, in the last um, three seasons. Obviously, he played, um, played for Sheffield Wednesday and did well for Sheffield Wednesday, I think, as well, last season. Yeah. He did really well, I thought, against Newport, um, just lacking that kind of cutting edge. Um, but he's, he's another one who's, you know, I, I think... I'd like to him to be in and around the squad because he's shown, I think, I think all you can say about players when they come back from a loan spell is, look, get yourself, get yourself like into a position where you have a good pre-season and you're part of, you're part of the thinking of, of the manager. And he is at the moment. So I wouldn't want to see him go, to be honest. He's got a great attitude. He's a brilliant guy. You know, I think by all, by all intents and purposes, he's really good. He's got a great work ethic. Did well for Rafa in that first season, I think, after after a really difficult start. Um, just wasn't involved last season. I could see why they why they let him go. You know, obviously he had his spell at West Brom and then he's had his spell at Sheffield Wednesday. It looked as if his Newcastle career was over. Um, but I think he's, you know, I think he's got he's got something, Jacob Murphy. I, I wouldn't want to see him go um just yet. You know, you've got to remember there's gonna be, especially with Newcastle still being in the League Cup. You're talking about in January. Um, they, they, this is a condensed season. There's a lot of games. Um, this is only a week. It's a week international break, isn't it? And then they're playing three international games in that time. Then the players come back. So there'll be one or two who've obviously gone away with, inter- with international teams, including Ryan Fraser. There's another international break before um, January as well. So you can't just count injuries. Um, they've, they've had a very small summer. Um, you know... This, could, this is going to be a really strange season. It's going to be a really odd season, I think, because players are going to get tired. Um, there's going to be injuries. Um, Murphy's Murphy's best best plan is to stay at Newcastle United because there's, I think he will... There'll be injuries. There'll be things that happen between now and the end of the season where he will get games. And all he has to do when he gets the games is take his chance, like he did against Newport. I think he did well. Um, just didn't score, did, didn't score a goal, but... He, he, you know, he was probably the one who who did the most on the day, and he was probably their man of the match on the day of players who started. Probably um, Wilson or Jalinta was 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 you know the man of the match based on the fact that the game changed when they came on. Um, but um, Jim Murphy was pretty good, so I, I would I would keep him. Um, Atsu is probably the one that you would say likely to go today, possibly with there's some interest from Forest, there's some interest from um, from the Championship. He'd be a great addition for a team in the Championship. He's a good player. Um, on his own right probably just not quite at the level that Newcastle United need to be moving now you know and he's just not really turned in those performances um, on a consistent basis now to merit really being in the Newcastle squad now but you know he's not a bad player is he? he's not he's certainly not terrible and you could see him going into a championship club on loan and uh, and, and really being a really being a good um, a good buy definitely I, I've been told that Watford have had talks initial what? talks and it, so it looks like maybe he'll replace Saw who looks like he might be going to Manchester right. United now, so not the worst Good. replacements in the um, no. in the championship. And no, I think you know he's got a good pedigree as well, hasn't he? He's played, you know, he's he's you know he did well for Newcastle. He's played a lot of games actually for Newcastle in the last uh, since he, since he signed. Um, he, he was he was there on loan, wasn't he? At first, Rafa wanted him, kept him, and um, he's done well for Newcastle. You know, he's not done too badly for Newcastle. A lot of players come in and and don't you know you sort of like they leave and you're sort of like well. Yeah. You know they didn't really do much. He's actually done okay. He was an important player in the in the championship, and um, you know. But I think he deserves a move now. He's not going to play for Newcastle this season, so um, so yeah, it'd be good. And Watford would be a fantastic move for him. I think you know probably a team that's going to be up there 
battling this season as well so just a quick note we're now over on YouTube at the Everything is Black and White podcast and if you're liking what you're hearing why not come and see what we're producing we'd really like you to hit subscribe we're also over on Instagram at Chronicle NUFC and in the usual place on Twitter and Facebook we'd really like the likes the reviews and the subscriptions because without your continued support we can't get very far so thanks very much for listening just a couple more questions then before we sign off um Rodrigo Vilca straight into the to the youth system under twenty three. You don't see him breaking into um, the, the first team or being loaned out as soon as he signs. Well, I think probably like like the vast majority of Newcastle fans don't know too much about him. We've never really seen him seen him play, but from the people that you speak to about him, they say he's he's got he's got good technique. I think Lee Ryder did a piece with Nobby Solano the other week in which he sort of said, "Look, you know, don't expect too much from him too soon." Um, I think. They look at him and sort of say he's got a lot of technique, a great attitude. Gets spoken spoken about really well when you look at the background references that Newcastle have um, the Newcastle have got on him. But physically, it's going to take an awful lot to, to get himself up to Premier League sort of ready standards. You know, it's that's going to take an awful lot. But I remember people saying that by Ozzy Perez when he first came in, he was too small, um, wasn't going to be able to be um, wasn't going to be able to be part of it. You know, they, they didn't think that. Perez was going to be ready. I remember, actually, funnily enough, it was Lee Charnley who pushed for Perez. Graham Carr didn't think he was good enough. And then Perez came in and um, just took it, yeah, put the bat, uh, picked the baton up straight away. And now he's, you know, now he's, um, now he's playing, uh, he, you know, Newcastle made an absolute fortune on him um, last summer and he's playing, playing for a team that, you know, that are going for the Champions League this season. So you, you never write it off, but um, there are, you know, for every Perez, there's a kind of, you know, another, another kind of player who's maybe been brought in and, um, and and it hasn't worked out for them. But I, I would say, you know, he's coming on, I think he's coming in on a four-year contract according to um, what I've heard. So four years, it's, you know, it's a development job, that isn't it? He'll be 25 by the time he, he goes there. So if he's still here at the end of that four-year contract, then you'd say he's done pretty well. Um, Municipal, his team in Peru have also got a sell-on clause. So, you know, there was obviously some... So obviously some feeling there that the, the lad can do something. Um, so I'm quite pleased about that. I think the under-23s of the development squad is something that Newcastle really do need to um, do need to look at because, you know, there isn't a lot coming through from there. Um, but I, I, you know, I like the look of the fact that they're trying to sign players. They've they brought in a guy to run the under-23s who I, I've heard really good things about, Chris Hogg. They've got Steve Harper there as well, whose job is partly to kind of, you know, ensure that the transition between those two groups is a little bit better. Um, and Harps is a you know really really smart guy and, and knows the club inside out. So um, you know I, I, I quite like this this Bilka thing actually. Spent a bit of money, two hundred grand. It's not a lot in the grand scheme of things, and he won't be on much in terms of wages either. Um, but uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm I'm intrigued by. It. I quite like it. You know, I like the fact that they're doing something a little bit different. Um, it's probably like contacts and things like that. You know, I wouldn't have thought they'd. They, they know too much about him in terms of actually seeing him in the flesh too many times, but they'll have the Y Scout reports. They'll, they'll, you know, they'll know people out there. They'll have scout. They've got scouts in South America, so they'll be looking at, they'll be looking at that one. They're hoping for it as well. And obviously, there was the Steve Bruce dropped the line about the seventeen-year-old as well, who's been in on trial. We're still trying to work on a name for you there as well. But he said somebody's done really, really well there. And they've got the other lad from France as well, um, who's got a bit of an interesting background, haven't they? The um, um, his name escapes me just at the moment, but he's he's there on trial. He was all over social media, wasn't he, um, the other week uh, with his with his wonder goal. They've got him still on trial as well. I think um, you know it's touch and go whether he'll be offered a contract, but um, but yeah, he's 
he's obviously another one that they're looking at as well. And they brought in um, Brookwell from Liverpool, didn't they, over the summer as well. So they are looking to do bits and bobs in the under-23s. Um, but, you know, still at the moment there, there's not too many players ready to come in straight away. Um, a few there, I think you probably need to go out on loan maybe in the next year or two and get and, um, and develop their senior uh, senior football that way. Florent Indalcio, if that's pronounced right, is the... the and of course, you knew, that, you knew that without having to Google, Google it or without yeah, having to look. But you mentioned the Scout report. I had a little look this morning and it was just a cliche South American commentator. So I couldn't actually work out whether he was any good, but I liked the commentary that I was hearing because they were getting very excited. Um, some good passes, a goal that looked like a cross to me in the, the commentary. I got very excited, but nonetheless... It's probably like well, not when Alberto Solano arrived, no one knew anything about him. And if he works out like Alberto Solano did, even half the player Nobby was, then I don't think we'll have any complaints at all. So, fingers yeah. crossed that works out. I think I think really what you're looking for, for from him, probably looking at him to come in, and make a bit of an impact with the under twenty threes, then then maybe go on loan for a few months next next year. I think the rider mentioned that they they got hookups in in Holland that they could potentially send send him there for a little bit. Um, and then potentially to come back in the 2021-22 season and, and challenge for the first team, that's maybe a development plan that they could look at. But if he does really well, why not? Why not give him a chance? And like I said, at the, like I said a few minutes ago, this could be a really odd season in terms of players going down with injuries. You know that they, they're going to need to have a proper squad. I think you know it's going to be a crazy season. Um, you know, seven two and six one yesterday in those two big games show you that this isn't a normal season. Um, and injuries, fatigue, players in the red zone. I think we're going to see all of that coming in towards the end of the season. It's why I think it's really important that Newcastle have had a good start to the season because seven points on the board at this point is really you know a good return. But they need points on the board early because it could potentially be that they go through a spell where they don't get they don't get many wins because every team's going to have bad spells this season. Um, I don't think anybody's going to have a squad big enough to cope with everything that they're going to have to do this season because this we started in September, we're finishing early before the Euros as well. We don't know what is going to happen in the wider world this year. We don't know whether fans are going to be back in, what's going to happen, whether there's going to be, you know, whether there's going to be some, what's going to happen with Brexit and football. We don't know yet. You know, we don't know whether there's going to be in January, whether, we, um, whether we're going to have um, uh, some kind of quotas on players, whether they're going to be allowed to come in, whether players are going to have to have work permits. There's so much uncertainty that, um, you know, we just, at the moment, we just don't know what's going to happen. Just before we finish with a final question on the tier club, I just put up this comment here from Paul Gold. I'll read it out for those listening later on the podcast. I think Murphy is showing heart and skill. Should have the shirt ahead of Hendrik on the right. Uh, Mentions Hendrik has the mobility we need in the central midfield. He still thinks Matty Longstaff is the best of our midfield when fit. Almira on the left, Wilson up front, and Fraser competing for the shirt. It looks good. It's a nice bit of positivity there. What do you yeah. make of that? Those comments. Yeah, I think I think I think Jeff Hendrick probably wants to play in the centre, but I mean, shows a lot about him that he, he's willing to play on the right. He's willing to sort of do you know do a job elsewhere. You know that that I think that's that's the top and bottom of it with 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 Hendrick. I think he you know probably suffers a little bit. I think when you saw him play in the opening day of the season, he was, did was a little bit more. Uh, central and scored the goal, played really well. He was a little bit less um, involved, um, I think, in the last in the last couple of games. But he's a good player. Um, 
Murphy's, yeah, Murphy's interesting, wasn't it? I think he could have he could have made a case that he'd have been he'd have been involved um, on uh, at the weekend, but I think Almiron was a little bit unlucky as well. Um, what I thought was interesting was Hanson Maximum saying he'd like to play the number ten. That was an interesting comment, wasn't it? Um, and he did kind of play in that central role on. Um, uh, he, you know, he drifted a little bit in play, put in uh, centrally um, on on Saturday. And did really well. Um, it's been nice to see Jolinton playing in a role that is bringing the best out of him. Now, you know, like is that does a player split opinion more than Jolinton at the moment? You know, when I said I thought we played well on Saturday, fifty um, percent of people were saying, "Yeah, he's really he's doing really well." Fifty percent of people were saying, "No, he's just not doing enough." So, um, but I think we can all agree that. Yeah, let's be honest, last season when he was playing number nine, he was 100% saying he wasn't doing enough. So he's obviously made a bit of an improvement since then. I thought he had his, one of his better games in a black and white shirt actually on Saturday. Some good turning on the halfway line and setting away the players in front of him. Just finally then, Mark, we we had the re-emergence of the, the Belgraf Nora group over the weekend um, or towards the end of last week. Your thoughts on the news? I mean, it was a, it was a story on the BBC that uh, they'd held talks with Mike Ashley's representative so they claim it yeah where where do we where do we start with that one um i just the problem is there's so many holes in that story that it just feels difficult to take it seriously um they talk about revenues of whatever in the billions but that is not the same as having money available and being owned but you know a group that's owned by um, people who have the money to take the new to take Newcastle United forward, they made an awful lot of they made a total hash of the approach originally. You know, they, they, they the publicity surrounding. I mean, for a start, it was leaked before when they'd made a bid that was just not ever going to be accepted. Um, people then briefing stuff that just didn't make any sense. Um, talking about Alan Shearer, about Cristiano Ronaldo. Um, you know, then supposedly supplying their financials to journalists to prove that they had the money. But the financials, when you dug when you dug down, didn't mean anything. It wasn't, you know, it just wasn't the the behaviour of a company that is about to do a three hundred and fifty million or three hundred and twenty million pound transaction. Um, so I just don't take them seriously. I know they, I know they. I'm sorry, you know, if they get the money together and do it and put them put a bid in and, and get going, then brilliant. But we've seen how many times over the years that how many people have said they're going to do things or, or claim that they're interested in not actually done it. You know, Henry Morris is another one, you know, supposedly was really interested, but as soon as the Saudi bid uh, withdrew, then, you know, he went, he went the journey as well. So to me, that looked as if it was something that was set up to um, either push them along or to detract from, or detract from the, the validity of the Saudi bid. The only game in town is the, um, PIF backed bid. I'm sorry, that that's my firm belief. That bid is obviously on, on the back burner at the moment because um, of the difficulty with the Premier League. Mike Ashley has employed legal counsel to try and force the Premier League into making a decision. So that one's still flickering away somehow in the background. Um, PIF, as I said at the weekend, have had other clubs ask them whether they'd be interested in investing. At the moment, they're they're still you know, keeping their powder dry. I, I think, you know, it'd be very difficult to get them to say anything on the record at the moment about still being interested in Newcastle. It's been a humiliating experience for, for, for them in a way. You know, I'm not saying it's their fault, but, but it has been humiliating because they are um, one of the world's richest sovereign wealth funds. Yeah, 
they've not been able to do this deal. There's been a lot of talk and a lot of, um, a lot of, you know, uh, let's be honest, a lot of things said that probably just could have waited, I think, around that takeover. Um, but, you know, that was the nature of it. It got very frenzied at the time. Um, Pochettino, all that kind of stuff, and, and this kind of shopping lists and things like that that we that we saw. That I think the problem was that that just became that became crazy. But um, I think they're the ones to watch still. I, I, you know, it's all gone quiet, and it will be quiet for weeks and weeks. I think now I don't think we'll we'll hear anything concrete on that one for a while. But it's not gone anywhere um, yeah. in terms of the, 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 the desire to do the, the bid for the desire to do the the, the takeover from the Rubens from. Stavely and company from PCP Capital and from, I think, from PIF, although they are being a little bit more, um, being a little bit more sort of quiet at the moment. But, but those three parties, I think, are still interested in buying Newcastle United. Mike Ashley, crucially, seems committed to them as well. That'll put other people off, I think, coming in and necessarily buying the club who are serious um, because it costs a lot of money to try and buy a football club. You'd have to go through all the... Um, the um, due diligence you have to then also legally um, get 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 lawyers employ all these things it, it, it costs a lot of money to do this and if you think that there's somebody else who's you know that the owner's more more interested in then why would you do it and that to me means that the takeover really if it's going to happen it's going to be it's going to be the Saudis um, again like I said with the, with Newcastle and the transfer window look there's a lot of things can happen in the next few months football is in big big trouble. Um, the Premier League is at the moment still just about keeping their heads above water but, there are, but the longer and longer fans aren't allowed into the grounds the longer and longer the teams are going to be suffering financially the Premier League relies on um, this these huge TV contracts and, and massive commercial success to keep the product going it's just about done it this summer because we've seen you know at the moment it looks in rude health because games are interesting and um, you know just new players and all these things, but it can't go on like it is at the moment for too long. Are they going to realistically say if somebody's coming in and guaranteeing five hundred million pound investment into this, into a football club, and also as they told us, they told me, they told you, they told everybody, we are willing to bid for the rights in our territory and put a lot of money into that. Realistically, if the deal, if they can get through the idea of you know where the where the um, where the power where the influence will lie with this bid, which is obviously the big problem. But that is what they're trying to now sort out. Would they be more conducive to it? We've, there's a lot of things going on behind the scenes. I think that we don't know about. Um, we saw people leave the Premier League who've been involved in this takeover. Um, you know, we don't know why yet. We don't know. We don't know what's been going on there. We there's obviously there's so much. That we just don't know about it. That's what's going on behind the scenes. I know there's, you know, politically there's, um, you know, there's, um, there's a there's a will. I think kind of definitely to, to get this deal done. You know, the Conservative Party um, are, are keen to kind of like get this get this investment done. We've seen, you know, Rick Holding. I think was it one of the new um, kind of MPs in the northeast has spoken about it. I think he mentioned it again yesterday on the BBC Politics as well. So. This is still, I think, you know, it, look, it, it, the immediacy of it has gone, but I'd be really surprised if we don't hear anything about it ever again. Well, there we have it. And I guess actually going quiet is maybe the best thing for it now. And Absolutely. some of the issues that came up probably wouldn't have sprung up had had they not come out and it had been a bit more quiet. I know that sounds hypocritical maybe to our listeners, to our viewers, given that we're journalists, but I do think that probably had something to do with it as well. The fact that, 
too much was said at certain points. So fingers crossed, I suppose, on on for Newcastle United fans that something does emerge from from the quietness of the uh, proposed takeover. In the meantime, Mark, thanks for joining us. If you guys are listening and watching, you can head over to Chronicle Live where we'll keep you up to date with all the latest Newcastle United news. 